Hello and welcome to the PFF Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm your host, Ian Harditz, and today we will continue our team preview series with the AFC East, specifically the New England Patriots. If you haven't checked out the first 16 team previews, please do so. I've, I've made them as evergreen as possible. I realize there will be some changes between now and week one, but still plenty of helpful info in there. So without further ado, your 2020 New England Patriots Fantasy Football Team Preview. Starts with the guy. I have been so high on Cam this entire offseason. And look, I, I realize there is risk here. We have Cam Newton, who has not been in a healthy and thus a good quarterback since the first half of the 2018 season. Here's the thing, though, everyone. We aren't being asked to draft 2012, 2011 through 2017 Cam Newton. Right now, we're being asked to draft banged up, injury prone. Cam Newton. That's why his ADP has, you know, barely risen since this whole thing happened and he's still only looking at the QB 18, QB 19. I'm not asking you to take a dive into the deep end and take Cam Newton as a QB 1. I'm asking you to take him as a late round QB with the rushing floor and with proven top 8 QB upside. And that's all we've seen from Cam whenever he's been healthy. You know, in terms of just you know, fantasy finishes. We had a guy that was consistent top five fantasy QB, you know, the first five years of his career. And even when things started going, you know, a little bit south, I mean, 2018, the guy was still QB eight in fantasy points per game. So I think that anyone that, you know, is projecting Cam to be outside of, you know, the top 12 to 15 QBs with 16 games just isn't being realistic about what this guy is capable of doing. He's never been this, you know, passer that struggles to pick apart defenses from the pocket it's almost like his just rushing ability has overshadowed the ability he does have as a passer and I realize Nikhil Harry Muhammad Sanu Julian Edelman is hardly you know the best group of receivers for a quarterback to be throwing to but <laughs> look back at these Panthers teams and if you you know if, if you got an empty stomach look back at the Auburn team that Cam led to a national title this guy's made a career not having you know great passing assets to throw the ball to and it just hasn't mattered so you know athleticism likely won't be there but I just think the price point he's at just isn't even a little bit reflective of the upside that is seemingly healthy Cam Newton can bring to the table and I know some people are sticking to this being competition between, you know, Jared Stidham and Cam Newton. Look, if Cam loses this competition, like that's that sucks. I'm gonna look like a little bit of an idiot, but it's not going, it's not like you're burning a top five fantasy pick on Cam. You can get him in, you know, almost a mid double digit rounds, if not early double digit rounds, and most non-super flex drafts. So, you know, it's a fourth round 2018, uh, excuse me, 2019 fourth round pick and Brian Hoyer that Cam has to beat out. You know, if he's not able to do it, fine. But I really think this is a situation, you know, where we can assume rational coaching a little more than other places. I mean, you know, if this was a different team where Cam was being asked to be a, you know, square peg fitting into a round hole, maybe there'd be more concern that they'd stay with the old guard, uh, Jared Stidham. But, you know, you look at the Patriots, and I keep going back to 2016 when Brady was suspended, Garoppolo was hurt, and they had to, you know, put in Jacoby Brissett, rookie, on a short week against the Texans. What'd they do? They revamped the entire offense to his strengths, ran a bunch of triple option stuff. Uh, PFF Seth Galina has an awesome article you can find on PFF.com where he breaks down all of this. And, you know, this is what the Patriots have been doing Belichick's entire tenure. They formed their team around their players' talents, and they attacked their defense's weaknesses. I think Cam Newton... You know, when he's on, can do that better than almost anyone. And I think Belichick is going to unleash him in the best way possible. I am all in on Cam Newton. And luckily, everyone.
line. It just doesn't take much to get that upside. So, hey, you know, if someone reaches on Cam as a top 10 quarterback in your draft, you know, so be it. I'm not asking you to do that. But just realize that on that QB1 borderline, you know, give me Cam over these statues eight days of the week. Moving on to the Patriots' ever murky backfield now. And, you know, it's just another year pretty much in New England. We have Sony Michelle. You know, looking like a candidate to start the season on the pup list. It's a foot injury now, you know, in addition to chronic knee injuries. Even before all this, you know, with the mid-30s ADP, just a tough guy to get behind. I mean, that last season to have the opportunities he did to take over and just the overall touches and not to accomplish that. I mean, we've only seen nine running backs over the past 10 years get at least 250 touches and not finish as a top 24 PPR performer. And Sony Michelle was one of those backs, you know, for some guys, uh, David Montgomery is one of them where I, I, he had the same thing happen. And, but you look at the bears running back room and you think, okay, well maybe they phase out Tariq a little bit and uh, Montgomery could get some extra targets. I just don't see a path to that happening for Sony here. I mean, James White is locked in as the pass down back. We know Rex Burkhead, when he is healthy, they're going to try to get him double digit touches per game, particularly uh, with the targets. And now you have Damian Harris, who didn't do anything last year, but you know, it'd be very surprising to see, you know, a third round pick for the Patriots never get a chance to have any sort of run. So I'm pretty much fading Sony, you know, just in all formats, even with the reduced cost. Not honestly, these running backs in general. I mean, Damian Harris, I think, is worthy of just a late round dart throw. He is so cheap. Again, it's not quite the cam situation. He uh, he's even a little cheaper than that. But it's you know you're you're not gonna look back on your fantasy team in four months and say wow I really you know if I hadn't have taken Damian Harris in round fifteen things really would have been better. And you know just looking at the Patriots starting the season, uh, did a pod with uh, PFF's Kent Wyrock recently, and you know the Patriots are really popping for having a great start against uh, you know shady run defenses. We got week one against the Dolphins. Week two against the Seahawks, week three against the Raiders, week four against the Chiefs. You know, we got the Broncos 49ers after that. So I'm not saying, you know, Harris is going to boom all season or anything like that. But at a minimum, I think, you know, Harris is definitely worthy of an early season roster spot because he's going to have the matchups. And, you know, if we can get a week one under our belt where we see him, he's got this 50, 60% snap roll, he's going to be an auto start in those ensuing matchups. Uh, James White, I am just a little bit lower on. And I know some people are thinking, hey, what? could he do you know with cam uh the way he fed mccaffrey in 2018 i just think they're different team setups i think a lot of what white brought to the table was you know having that chemistry and just kind of long time spent with brady he still could be the pass down back but you know we've seen white have you know pretty severe on off splits when Burkhead's healthy uh, throughout his career, he's just he's not the feature pass game back. When Burkhead is there, they split it up. Ultimately, I mean, I think the kind of usual adage rings true for the Patriots backfield: draft the cheapest guy available. That's Damon Harris. I know I didn't mention Lamar Miller at all. It's just hard for me to get behind him at this point. Seems like he was brought in more as Sony, you know, injury um, assurance. And I, I just I'd be very shocked if they give Lamar Miller um, the shot over Harris to begin with. He is again so cheap enough that again it's not going to wreck your fantasy team to take a shot on Lamar Miller. But I'm definitely going to the well with Harris before Miller uh, personally. So moving on to the wide receivers, not great. The Patriots did not. Not do a very good job of this offseason of addressing the unit so they must feel at least decent about the guys they got and to be fair this unit was all sorts of banged up by the end of last season I mean Nikhil Harry started the year in IR Edelman had you know one ailment after another uh, seemingly in the entire second half and Muhammad Sanu was also playing through 
all sorts of pain. And it's just a thing where we should assume Edelman is going to be that guy. He's been their number one. I mean, only Michael Thomas, Julio Jones, and Allen Robinson have more targets than Julian Edelman. I understand Brady likes to feed the slop, but, you know, even if that goes down 20%, we're still looking at, you know, a gaudy target total for Julian Edelman. And I know Cam doesn't have the same experience, but, you know, when we go back and look at some of these splits, it's really important just to remember the, the personnel these guys were working with. I mean, okay, when Cam had Christian McCaffrey, it makes sense to throw him that many passes in. But I don't think it's fair to say Cam doesn't target slot receivers when you look back at his career and he just has never really had all that many talented slot receivers, you know, just wide receivers in general. Honestly, if you remove Steve Smith and kind of the last two years of his Panthers time from the equation. So I do think Edelman presents some value, you know, at that wide receiver, you know, kind of 30 range. He should be the undisputed number one on the squad. And, you know, it's just hard to get that at that point. Upside is a little bit limited without Brady. I get it. I mean, it definitely doesn't help, but I think Edelman is, you know, it's, concerning but that concern is fully being baked into his price i mean this was a guy going you know top 12 top 15 wide receivers last year so it's it's one of these things where like yeah you deserve to be lower on him and everyone is lower on him because of that you know his price point isn't all that bad same kind of reasoning for you know your aj greens ty hilton stefan diggs of the world you know yeah there are concern but at the end of the day they are the projected number one pass game target in an offense, and you know that does hold value to it. Now, Harry or Sanu is where it gets a little bit interesting. One of these guys could very well be the man on the outside for this offense and, and Newton. I lean Harry, and I know last year wasn't pretty, but just we know what we're getting with Muhammad Sanu. The ceiling's never quite been there. He's now an aging receiver that you know last year showed signs of the wear and tear. Both of them are free at this point, and Harry, uh, it's... He looked like the best wide receiver in the class going into last season. I understand it didn't work out that way. And, you know, people might may have very well not had him number one. I'm not even saying I did. But there were stretches, you know, where he showed off just that contested catchability, Arizona State, and even some, you know, underrated yak that uh, he was able to accomplish that I just think is going a little bit under the radar. No, last season was not good. He struggled to separate and all that. But, it's, you know, didn't have a lot of favors done for him and trying to play hurt. I do think we could see a slight bounce back from the Keo Harry. Doesn't cost much to invest. You know, personally, I haven't been coming away with many Patriots receivers throughout the offseason uh, in these fantasy drafts. But if I had, you know, gun to my head, take a late round stab at the position, it would be Harry over Sanu. The tight ends aren't going to do much this year, everyone. I and mean, they tried to bring in two. We have Devin Asiasi and then Dalton Keene. Seemingly, um, Asiasi is going to be the Rob Gronkowski of the group. Now, I am in no way trying to compare the two, but you know they're going back to their two tight end. Seemingly, they want to go back to that system with Asiasi being more of the inline uh, Gronk role, and then Keen being the move, you know, H back tight end that you know we saw a little more from Aaron Hernandez back in the day. So. Unfortunately, it's just we're not going to see much here. Neither Both these guys were third-round picks. You know, maybe the Patriots got some steals, but we've only seen Gronk and Evan Ingram function as a top-12 rookie tight end since 2010. The position as a whole just really struggles to do much, which makes sense. You know, when you're being asked to be a full-time receiver and blocker, that's a lot harder to do than, you know, if you were just a receiver being asked to pick up that, you know, two completely different uh, features of the game. We will see if they are ready. We don't know their target share. They could very easily split the way. I mean, you know, I do have Asi Asi as my uh, rookie tight end one um, above Adam Trauman and Cole Komet just because it does seem like the Patriots are setting him up 
for future success. But, you know, it, it my, my rule has always been do not draft rookie tight ends, you know, not even if there's a fire. So I'm sticking to that for the time being, you know, keen and Aussie Aussie future up upside be damned. So quickly going through the ranks, I have Cam as my QB 13, one spot behind Joe Burrow, one spot ahead of Matt Ryan. It's that rushing floor, guys, and I understand he's probably not going to be scoring 10 rushing touchdowns again, but, you know, he has a long way to go before we're looking at him as anything other than, you know, a dual-threat quarterback. I mean, again, in NFL history, it's Lamar Jackson, Mike Vick, and Cam Newton pretty much in terms of just the most productive guys at the position. So even if we're seeing, you know, 80% Cam back there, that 80% is going to be way higher than most guys rushing production. And, you know, of course, you don't need to even draft Cam as a QB 13 because he's going a good five, six QBs later. At running back, yeah, I mean, look, I have, right now I have Sony Michelle, RB 35. That was honestly baked in a little bit before this foot injury. He has kind of been on my fade do not draft list throughout this. More of just, uh, you know, projection rank, but the ceiling just isn't there. I am not taking Sony in any draft. Uh, James White. I have him lower, RB43, Tariq Cohen, RB44, Philip Lindsay, RB42. The problem with White is he's he's been so consistent over the years, but the new quarterback does change things, and having a potential healthy Rex Burkhead doesn't help. And, you know, just in the best-case scenario for James White, let's say Rex gets hurt and, you know, Cam does feed White a good amount, we're still looking at a guy that's probably going to be in RB2 more weeks than not. I don't see the ceiling. I'm taking guys like, I'm taking all the handcuffs, you know, Madison, Pollard, Edmonds, Murray, all of them I want before James White because in the worst case scenario, their ceiling is much higher. Julian Edelman is my wide receiver, 29, one spot behind T.Y. Hilton, one spot ahead of Deontay Johnson, uh, you know, certainly willing to flip him ahead of Hilton if uh, this hamstring injury continues to give uh, T.Y. some problems. And, you know, Deont- I love Deontay Johnson too, but, uh, just, again, there's something to be said for being that offense's undisputed number one pass game target. Uh, Edelman is, in my opinion, the cheapest guy you can find out there because you, know, you have your Marquise Browns of the world who, you know, might be their team's number one wide receiver, but they also have that, you know, high volume tight end. So I think Edelman is your cheapest number one pass game target available in fantasy. Uh, Assey Aussie, I don't even have these uh, rookie tight ends ranked inside the top 40 at the moment. And it's, you know, hey, maybe they do break into it, but I just don't think there's a scenario in 2020 where the Patriots field any, you know, anything resembling a borderline tight end one, maybe even tight end two um, in the fantasy world. So Patriots win total all the way down at nine this year. And we have the Buffalo Bills also at nine. So, you know, the question is, can the Patriots keep this AFC East streak going? Uh, man, I- I'm not going to bet against Belichick and these guys. I am going to take the over, over nine wins. I wouldn't bet my life against it. I do think the Bills are a much more complete team. You know, no one really got hit harder uh, on the COVID opt-outs than the Patriots, you know, just specifically on their defense. Things aren't going to be easy, but it's one of these situations where they just had one of the best defenses, like, in recent league memory, almost ever, and, you know, even removing some key guys from that, you still have arguably the best cornerback room in the league. You know, they generate pass rush seemingly just out of will sometimes in some seasons. Uh, never been in a position, you know, they paid for and they just continue to uh, have one of the best secondaries and pass defenses in the league. So 
I'm giving Belichick, you know, just kind of benefit of the doubt at this point. I always thought the tanking thing was just absolutely absurd. I mean, it's it's one thing to think the Patriots won't be in a position to win the Super Bowl. It's another one to imply that Belichick could would what win one or two games all season to try to get Trevor Lawrence. Like it just doesn't make sense. Football is not a game where you can actively ask your players not to play hard. There's going to be injuries. Now, you know, tanking is when your front offense front office puts the team in such a bad position that there's no way they could possibly win. I mean, the only team in the league, I think that is even somewhat doing that right now is the Jacksonville Jaguars. But I mean, you could also just argue that they're really giving Minshew uh, his real chance that I believe he earned last season. But no, I do not think the Patriots are under any circumstances tanking this year. I don't think it's in Belichick's blood, and I will take over nine wins. You know, it's going to be a dogfight with the Bills, I think, for that AFC East crown, but I would put the Patriots as a slight favorite to do so. So that will be it, everyone. Thank you for listening. This has been your 2020 New England Patriots fantasy football team preview. I'm Ian Harditz, and until next time.